The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Oh, do you see there's a feud with uh, Biz Nasty and Butch Goring? Did you see that? No. So Biz Nasty was all, well, Paul Bissonnette, Spin Chicklets, and hockey, uh, the uh, TNT Hockey. He was all fired up about John Tavares coming back to the island. Oh. So in, in, he's, a, he's a big Leaf fan. Leaf fan, that's what it is. Okay. So in, in, in you know, true dramatic fashion, he gets his 1,000th point. Yeah. I saw that. At UBS, you know, front, at front of his old home crowd who hate him because he left. But he went home. He wanted to play for the Maple yeah. Leafs. He went back, took a big deal. I think, and, and that team was a mess. Like the the building situation was a mess. He he was loyal to that team. total mess. Yeah. I think what what happened though is he didn't. He told him he, he didn't tell him he wasn't going to resign, and right. they, they couldn't trade him at the deadline. So I think that's what they're salty about. Well, they could have traded him, or he had no move clause. I think. I think he had no move. Yeah, and then he didn't sign with them. He signed with his hometown team. So Biz Biz is a big fan of the Leafs and Tavares, who's a great player. Uh, See, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish try. We're going to have a little debate on that one. We, I know, which, I think it's the one and two debate. We definitely have it. But, um, so he gets this. So, so they booed him. They booed him mercilessly at the Coliseum. You know, they, they, right. Even though he got his thousandth point. So Butch Goring chimed in. And he's like, hey, Biz, basically shut up. You know, don't be a clown. So On, on air? On air? No, he, he tweeted it. Oh. Okay. So, you know what? Uh, it's, it's worth it to find the tweet. So I'll yeah. ask if I can find it. So he said, uh. It was great because he, so I'll, I'll go through the whole story. So when uh, Biz picking on the fans with the Islander fans? Calling them classless. Yeah, oh. going there it is. So um, wait, let's find it. This is all on Twitter. All on Twitter. X, right? Uh, well, X, Elon Musk's X. And now it's, I'm not finding it. So let me just, I'll do a search. Anyway, I'm not finding the quote. But so anyway, so basically, so Biz, you know, called the Islander fans, whatever. He took classless, chomps and. Which Goring came out and called him a clown. Oh, yeah. I was like, you want to see? No, no. But Biz was great with it. He handled. He's like, look. He goes, Butch is bringing the smoke, and he's, you know, he no, it was the guy's a legend, and he's seventy whatever years old. But yeah. uh, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Like, well, so he, he didn't go back at him hard. He just no, not at all. Oh. No. So it was good. It was really good that that how he handled because he's 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 really he's super smart, Biz, at yeah. what he does. You yeah, know? you're right. He is too. But that leads us to a debate, and I think your debate is Hedman versus Tavares. Is that what you want to go go with? Well, not even uh, that debate. Uh, debate against uh, who's better. It's just I'm not that high on Tavares at all. Really, I'm really, I'm really high on Hedman. I think he's. If I think. Uh, well, I I would think I, I think in hindsight he should have been the number one pick. Yeah, yeah. I just think with Tavares, it's one of those cases where listen, he's not a bad player by any means, but uh, I just don't. It's all like he gets built up his first overall pick in the draft. It's all built up that he's this fantastic player. I just don't see it. He's a good player. Like He's a second-line player. You think he's soft? No, no, I don't think Not he's soft. No, I think he's a character player, actually. I just don't think 
thousand point career though thousand points yeah i guess when i watch him play though after i watch the game do i think to myself wow he really dominated that game no but that you're right he's not like okay so you watch jack huge like okay you know where this kid is every shift he's out there Tavares. Yeah, he's a good, but you don't you don't really notice him like that. But then he's got you know one goal, three assists, or two goals, two assists. You know? Yeah, I guess to get a thousand points, that's saying something. I just, well, I I think like even Toronto, like I well, I don't think Toronto's team is uh, put together properly. You got too many high end guys based on yep. salaries, uh, especially at full. Oh yeah, uh, you look at the teams that really manage the cap well. They've got like two high end guys, uh, forward, one defenseman, one goaltender, you know, and then they yep. fill in all the other pieces. They yeah, they got four high-end forwards on yeah. Toronto. Yeah, so it really limits them what they can do. And sure. even just from the standpoint of, um, like, you can't have all all-stars. Like the old Herb Brooks thing, you know, I want the I want the right players, not the best players. Right. Like, you look back at the Islanders, with like Billy Carroll, for, for, for uh, an example, uh, the fourth-line sentiment for them, he may not have played on a lot of other teams in the National Hockey League, Right. But he was a perfect fit there. for the yeah. Islanders, right? Uh, I, 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 I love Billy Carroll the way he played. We played against each other in junior I think played St. Mike's up there, and I was Bram Lee. So I, I, I want to be critical of him at all, but uh, I just think, yeah, that, uh, I think I, I bet you if Toronto was to look back instead of signing Tavares, it, it, just don't sign Tavares, let him go someplace else. But it's kind of hard to do when he's the hometown guy. And that was before Austin. Well, Austin Matthews was good. Uh, yeah, I guess Nylander was young. Marner was no, he was still very good. So yeah, yeah, it's a tough call. Going way back to the draft. If you remember, the Islanders was kind of also you're disappearing into the ether here, Tom. I yeah, I saw that. You're like, you're like you're very starry. The sun's coming. I think so. I think the sun's melting you. But if, if you remember when that draft came out, it was Tavares was going to be one and Hedman was going to be two, and there was a debate. But the Islanders were pretty steadfast, and they were going to pick Tavares. But Hedman, man, what a player he turned out to be. Yeah, and I don't think uh, one of our guests we had on here, Brian Lawton, made that pick too for the. He did. I think too. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people really thought that Hedman was ultimately going to be as good as he as he has become. When they won their last cup, and he was you only really needed one defenseman up there. Yeah, he wanted a Con Smythe. He he's yeah. got a Con Smythe dominant all over the ice, big Norris Trophy. Yeah, yeah, power play penalty killing. Yeah, B six foot six, just good leader, yeah, good player. Yeah. Oh man, he, I remember watching like, and I thought he'd be good. We had uh, Kevin Allen when he was working for USA Today did this uh, piece where he took the the six original six teams. And he got six of us guys to be the general manager for the team. So I was with nice. the Rangers. Uh, Doug McLean was, uh, I can't remember who he was with. So he had a whole bunch of different guys that he really knew well. And then we did okay. a mock draft. Sure. A full 20-man team. Sounds like fun. What what era is this? How, how long ago? Uh, so this was uh, seven or eight years ago, probably. Okay, About, cool. Yeah. And uh, I had picked Hedman. And a lot of guys were like, really? You think he's that good? Actually, it was funny because I'd seen um, uh, Vasilevsky play over in Russia because I had done right. Like, Oh, you did. So I knew how good he was going to be. And I knew I talked to the scouts for uh, Tampa and they, they wanted to be very quiet about it all because they had uh, Ben Bishop, I think was a goalie. He was a goalie, yep. Right. And uh, so I picked uh, Lundqvist with the Rangers and then I picked uh, Vasilevsky. And the guy's like, he's a backup goaltender. What are you talking uh, about? Yeah. But I'd had the inside scoops. I said, well, he's going to be a best of trophy winner in about five years. Oh, so. well, Vasilevsky, what a goalie. Two cups, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, just a great goal, big, giant goaltender. Oh, competitor, professional. I talked they, to one of their scouts. They they loved his attitude. He was just well. If you remember internationally, Russian goaltending was terrible for a long time, yep. and they got together. I think Tretiak led the thing. Is like we got to develop goalies because yeah. if we just we're behind the world in goalies, and look what they did. Yeah. You know, they they, they regroup. Yeah. For a while, there was a Finnish goaltender that so were all doing really well. Uh, yeah, uh, Pekka Rinne and yeah. Kiprasov and so. Yeah. But look at now. I mean, it's the best goalies in the world are Russian. Yeah, 
you have you have Igor, you have um, Sorokin, you have Vasilevsky. I mean, there's so many good goalies. That and you know the thing about them too; they're really like hardworking professional guys too. Like they just. Well, I think that knock on Europeans is bullshit. And I think that, you know, that was back in your day where like these Europeans yeah. work hard, these Russians don't care. Like, well, And the Swedes were soft and all that kind of right. stuff. And there there was was some Swedes that were not as competitive, but I mean, that was the same way with North American players too. Of like Kent Nielsen, as much as Kent Nielsen was a great player, he was kind of a softer player. And I, I'm not saying he shied away from it, but I remember my first game I played against him and I was you know, young and everything. They put me out against him and I just hacked him on the arm and punched him in the head. Yeah, because everybody everybody loves that. They love to yeah. get hacked and punched in the head. <laughs> who, who wants that? Gretzky didn't like to get hacked and punched. Mario didn't like to get hacked and punched. I'll you know? tell you, that, if you ever punched Wayne in the head, you, know, you got guys chasing you all over the place. Semenko and McSorley and McClellan, those guys that chase you out all night. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Prop said on our show. He said, you know, he knew you were going to hack him. And then you also knew that Dave Brown was on that team yeah. and some of the yeah. other big guys, you know. I forgot. I broke my stick over uh, Brian Prop's arm in a uh, preseason game. Wow. Yeah. Ted Sater is his first year Ted Sater's coach. Oh, he he, he sent me out there to get him. Yeah, he he sent you out there. He said, "Go hurt Brian Prop." Well, he says, "Go go send a statement or something like that out there. Make sure you take care of Prop or whatever." That could be a yeah. big check though, or you know, a hit, but not breaking a stick over the guy's arm. Yeah. Baseball swing. Tom, come on! I'm can't believe you came on our show. In hindsight, you know. <laughs> the next play, he came down the boards again, and I went to hit him again. He stopped. He wouldn't go down the boards. No, yeah, sorry, oh, message or message sent. Oh, he by the way, uh, you're invited to play in his uh, charity game in April. Oh, oh, we went nice. down to last time, so you should get out there and skate. Yeah, we got the charity game in Detroit too. Rangers. And, uh, yeah, when is that one? April twenty seventh, I believe. And we're also going to. Uh, I think his is April second, if I'm not mistaken. We're also going to do the outdoor game. We have yeah, to do a show for right. the outdoor game. That should be yeah, pretty cool. Absolutely. Going to Vegas next month. Uh, yeah, go well. Who's on the trip with you? Who's the roster? Uh, who's the roster? So it's uh, put on by Caesars. So there's some fans that spend a lot of money on tickets, but the, we got eight guys coming from alumni guys: Darren Langdon, myself, Ice. Stephen Matteau, Adam Graves, Brian Mullen, uh, Ron Greshner. Um, I'm missing. Uh, Some of the newer guys? Uh, no, it was pretty much all the older guys. Nice. Yeah, I think it was like a, I didn't realize this, but it's kind of a thank you for all the stuff we've done for me. Sweet. You get, you're going to gamble? I'm not a gambler at all. I have no interest in it. Uh, you get some, guys sit there, they, yeah, some guys will sit there at the table for hours. Really? No, this idea. The Duke's going with you? He seems like he might like the slots. Oh, Dukes is uh, exiled. Oh, he's exiled again. Okay. How about Nicky? Is he going? Yes, Nicky's going. That's the other one. Yeah. There you go. Nicky's going. What about, yeah. what about the boxcar? Does he go with you or no? No, he's not going. No. Uh, just, I guess, Jackie's favorites. All right. That should be fun. Yeah. Take Break out that video camera, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're going to go see the sphere. You know, the thing that- the, Oh, that looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, that looks so crazy. That's yeah, cool. So the, yeah, so the Rangers play on the 18th against the Vegas, so we're going for that game, and then the next night we go to the sphere, and then we're at home, so. You going out with the, Jackie going out there? Mike Fasulo going with you? Uh, Jackie's going. I think Mike's going as well. Yeah. I think they're inviting all the wives or girlfriends. So, all right. So you have an empty seat next year. Yeah, I'm well, sure we'll find somebody to go. <laughs> we'll advertise. Hey, listen, yeah, listen. If you're interested in uh, going to Vegas with Tom, email fullchangepodcast at gmail dot com. He can also do impressions, singing, yeah. cooking, squirrel <laughs> training. Oh yeah. Dorothy. We can do squirrel show. He's in the squirrel show. Yeah. We, we had a good conference call uh, yesterday. Another call uh, later on today actually was this Roscoe Mountain Lodge. So we're going to be putting events on up there. That's right. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So Roscoe Mountain Lodge is a thousand acre resort uh, that is newly renovated by a family that bought it in New Jersey. Thousand acres golf course, outdoor hockey rink, lodge, a big brand new kitchen, everything. So we're going to go up there and do uh, motivational stuff, uh, mental health, 
uh, we'll see if we can do uh, like a survivor simulated survivor, like talk about what, what it was like to go on survivor, play survivor, train. Yeah, you were on that show. Yes, I was. Yeah, starred actually. I was starred. Yeah, right. you're star the first four episodes. You five. Thank you. First five episodes with. Were you with and or just featuring? What was your? How was you? How were you build? Featuring Tom Laidlaw <laughs> with Tom Laidlaw and first ever Canadian on the show. That's how I was built. Yeah, and the truth is, as you said several times, that Canadians didn't realize they could be on the show. Well, you know, it was the the show itself didn't realize Canadians could be on the show. They trademarked it from somebody else, I guess, or I'm mm-hmm. using the right term there is trademark. But uh, then they called the person up one day and they said, "Well, can we have Canadians on the show?" And the person goes, "Yeah, of course." Uh, yeah, props to the show on that. Talking about how they just they just assumed that they couldn't have Canadians on. Do you guys still talk? You and Jeff Probst? Do you guys? No, no, he's he's done. Yeah, I'm not one of his. You know, in the circle. I see. Well, yeah, you know the the guys that really do well on the show and they really like having it. They're very dramatic. You know, it's always crying and well drama and everything. So. Were you were you like that? Because you had to be that in your interview. You had to show like I'm Tom Laidlaw. I could do push-ups in the sand. I didn't. I did yeah. pour it on pretty good. Yeah, I saw you did. Yeah, I loved it when uh, when he asked these two girls what they thought of me. The first meeting we had. Well, he's we like him. He's confident, but he's not cocky. And the other woman goes, "Oh." Totally cocky. <laughs> yes, yes. Then you, yeah. That's what, well, that's what you want when you get in. And they, they, the casting director really tries to school you a little bit when you're going into these meetings. Sure, like basically mold your character. This is how you're going to be. Yeah, you know, like be forceful. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, don't sit. You know, don't get, and I didn't even sit down. I stood up, and stood right over top of Probst. Probst is loving it too because I was came in. I was just all right in his face. And uh, the and the producers were funny too. So there was one of the producers there at the first meeting, and then later on there was another meeting just the producers. And they're sitting around drinking beer and eating pizza. And uh, it's terrible. I'm going to look up this guy's name. The executive producer, uh, I think he's a funny guy too. And he handed me a beer because we talked about me uh, losing teeth because I'd open beer bottles with my teeth when I was younger. You didn't try that, did you? No, he handed me a, a beer bottle that was open. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't. I hope I didn't insult you. And I'm, what do you mean insult me? He says, well, the beer bottle's open. You want me to put a cap on <laughs> He was funny. He was, but he was the guy that was, uh, uh, so this Dean Kowalski was on the show. Uh, he was a college basketball player. We hit it off, and uh, the last tribal challenge that we had, there was a basketball portion to it. There's three basketball nets in the water floating. Yes, you, yes, you told us this. Yes. So I'm thinking, okay, he's a basketball player. So I really just strategize. I think, okay, this is it. I'm going to make it. I'll make it through this uh, thing. So I said, uh, okay, Dean, you work this so that you're you're shooting all the shots. And I just stood there. People were like, why are you not shooting? I said, well, I'm not a basketball player. He is. So the producer had a little party we had after when we got voted up. Uh, Came to me, he started laughing. He going, "We looked up how many points Dean had in his uh, college career. How many do you think he had?" And I'm thinking, "Well, obviously, you're coming to a me There's not too many." He said, "Five points in four years. <laughs> One point two five points per season." Yeah, I forgot to ask him how many points he got. I just assumed he's a good basketball. Player. So he he was a he was a duster. He was a, a yeah. pine runner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was on the bench. Oh, we we strategized. We got up early in the morning. So okay, we got to save ourselves because we'd had the tri- the um, tribe swap. And we were down in numbers. So the five people from the FICO, 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 I can't remember what name of them. Uh, so they're now over in our tribe and they're banded together. And there's three of us that was on the old Lyro tribe. So we're, they're going to pick us off. So they weren't picked. Yeah. Kick yeah. And, or else we thought they'd lose on purpose because they had, it was four and four on the other side. They didn't want to get their guy voted off. Ah, uh, okay. Alliance with. So we thought they'd ch- throw the challenge. Uh, so we had also, we got up early in the morning, planned the whole thing and got out there and I said, okay, this is great. We're going to, we're surviving it. He doesn't. He doesn't get it. So. Uh, but were you the first pro athlete on Survivor? Nope. Um, so there was J- uh, Jimmy Johnson, the college, the, the coach, football, the coach. He was on it. 
The Cowboys coach was on it? Yeah, a few years ago, yeah. How long did he last? I don't think he lasted very long. He was a student. Yeah. He was begging the state. He said, listen, just lean here because I'm not going to win anyway. So just don't he was an old guy. Yeah. At the time. Uh, uh, Jeff Kent, the football or basketball player. Oh, baseball player. Baseball. Second baseman, San Francisco Giants, New York Mets. Oh, yeah, I didn't and know that. He, uh, there's a couple of basketball guys, too, and I can't remember who they were. And then remember the pitcher? He pitched, and he was one who was really racist, and he made a bunch of comments. John Rocker. John Rocker. He was a, he was a jerk on there, too. Was he? Oh, yeah. He got into it. They were baiting him. Like, they knew who he was. He tried to pretend that, uh, that he wasn't John Rocker, but he was so famous. Like, it really hurt him because the people, the other guys, especially not they were playing, they knew it was John Rocker. Yeah, and I don't. Th- I think he was just chirping. I don't think he was. He was just chirping Met fans, and it turned into a whole big thing. Well, know? didn't he say he was riding on the L train? And that was- cute. I think yeah, he's riding the train, and it's he's like it's like I'm going to the United Nations. Yeah, which yeah. isn't necessarily it. It's not. It's a combo bag kind of. But yeah. you know, Queens is the most diverse borough in, in the country. So he uh, once they all realized who he was, there's these two girls too. They're pretty successful. Two sisters. I think they're Indian, and uh, they were baiting them. Like they were they were saying stuff to him. Yeah. To he he took the bait too. Oh, what a dummy! I'm gonna, yeah. As, as his girlfriend and her wife, she was a very pretty woman too. And she was like, they've had the camera on her when he's right. back in the girls. And she's going, oh my God, John. Just shut up. Buddy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of money at stake on that show. You know? What's that, sir? A lot of money at stake on that show. So you want to stay out as long as you can. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the million dollar check. Yeah. And then there's this one singer. I can't remember her name. She's a big uh, Survivor fan. She gives him a $100,000 check as well. Oh, wow. Perfect. Yeah. You know, and and that's you know who's not on Survivor, professional athlete. Our next guest, Brad Smith, Motor City Smith, someone you fought and lost. You lost that fight, right? No, no, you got. It was smoked. just a good battle between two tough guys. You got smoked. Well, let's let's see what he has to say. He's uh, a yeah. he's a gritty, gritty forward, gritty player, and you're someone you you went down with. So yeah, it's funny too. But you know, we had that fight. That was early in our both both our careers, and then he was working for Colorado as a scout. I was in the Asian business. You know that. And uh, we, became really, we became really good friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, people are going to love this. He's got a great personality. They're going to love this yeah. show. He's a lot like uh, Mick Fakota, those kind of guys, right? With the storyteller and everything. Let's, let's get to it. Motor City Smitty. Hey, Tom. These are some of my favorite shows because today we have another guy who you had a tussle with. We have Motor City Smitty. Brad Smith on the show. Let's get this out of the way. I knew this was going to happen right off the get-go. Just get it out of the way, and I'll explain everything to you what happened. Well, okay, so it was, it was my, my rookie year, I think, so, so I thought I was Mr. Top Player. When I came to the NHL, I, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to beat everybody. Up. I really thought I was the toughest guy in the National Hockey League. Then you get there, and it's like, there, there's Clark Gillies, there's Bob Nystrom, there's Paul Holmgren. So I thought, okay, I, and I didn't know that you were as tough as you were, so I said, I'm going to pick on this guy here. Uh, I didn't know him. You can play the tape. Go ahead. No, <laughs> oh, I played it many times. Yeah, so it's fu- I won. So if you're gonna be, a- wasn't that wasn't that the first game of the season? I think it was early. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? I think it was Herb Brooks' first game coaching. Well, that was my second year then. So that probably so that would have been yeah. So it would have been my second year. So like, here's the thing: I find out later on that he's going around fighting everybody in the National Hockey League. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God I did okay in that one. That fight took place in March of '81. Uh, that's your first year, right? Eighty-one. So no, that would. So that's my first year. That's the end of my first year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happened? You, let's hear your version of the fight. Uh, my version of the fight: we're winning four to one. You want to get after me? You said something to me. Then I let you have me. You got me pretty good, but you didn't knock me down. You didn't cut me open. You didn't break my nose, even though it looks like it's broken. 
And, uh, you, you know, you, you try to bring your team up, you know, pump them yeah. up, move the building up. It didn't matter. We went 5-2. But he got me at the end of my shift. That wasn't fair. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was picking on him. No, he picked that. He frustrated me. Oh, totally. Yeah, I wasn't going to let him. I didn't realize how tough he was. That's one of the things, like, you fight some. Like, I fought Martin McSorley early in his career. And I didn't know who he was. And then later on, he's going around fighting everybody. <laughs> so I'm thinking, thank God. Yeah, I was enlisted. I wasn't that tough. I had to fight these guys. I didn't want to fight these guys. You know, people don't understand this. You know, at one time, I was in the American League for 20 games, the Leather League in scoring. Uh, when I was in junior, at one time before I got traded, I uh, started the league in scoring behind Gretzky and Smith. Oh. I had the most goals in the league. Wow. And I also led the Central League in scoring. At one time. So I get called up, and Harry Neal wants me to fight these guys. I said, we got guys who can fight. I said, I don't have to fight these guys. I'll never forget, we played the Russians. The Russians came in. I scored two goals. Uh, we beat them, I think, four to one or four to two. And we played the next night, and we're going out for warm-ups. And here he goes, I'm not so sure you're playing tonight. But if you're playing tonight, send somebody a message. I said, oh, really? I just scored two goals against one of the greatest hockey teams in the world. Do you want me to go there and start a fight? So that's how I started fighting. I didn't want to fight because I had to fight those guys too. Like, So no, had you been a fighter before that though? Or Harry just well, decided he wanted to make you it? No, just because just, just I played hard and, you know, I went there without a contract and you know how it is. You go there and you got to fight guys, and run guys over and, and you know, get a name for yourself and, but I remember Clark Gillies in Detroit one day. Uh, he came out of the penalty box. And uh, uh, I had my stick up in the air, you know. I turned around. I, I didn't see him. Right. I didn't look right here. Oh, boy, pretty bad. And he dropped his gloves. And I, I, I was I was scared to death. I would just, this, this is not fucking wrong. Excuse me, this is not right. So, it gets. So, 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 so we're, you know, jockeying around, jockeying around. And just luckily, he stepped on a stick and fell, and I got on top of him. I was like, this, don't you hit me. I says, okay. <laughs> and then I'll tell you something. About 10 years later, 12 years later, I was at the Toronto airport, flying back to Seattle, and these two good-looking uh, girls came up to me, and they said, my dad wants to see you. What's, what's talking? I didn't know who the dad was, and I thought I was getting played. I thought there was going to be, you know, Someone's got a camera, you know, you know, like one of those sitting camera things. And they probably grabbed me and said, come on. So I went, went to the bar, and there's Clark Gillings. Oh, <laughs> and he goes, I'll never forget how you let me off the hook for 15 years ago. <laughs> Let's have a beer. I said, I think if I would have hit you, I would have committed suicide. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Oh, that's funny. He's a good man, too. It's amazing what, what a good guy he was because he was a scary man on the ice. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah. A, I got a picture, actually, of me and him at, at you know, you know, taking a face off, not taking a face off, but the face off circle. Yeah. And I'm a decent sized guy. You know, I'm yes. almost 6'2, 220 pounds. This guy made me look like a little boy. I know. I know. Oh. You tell a great story, though. Uh, I, can't, I think you're with the Leafs at the time. You went into Boston and they had John Wensick and Terry Riley and all those guys. Didn't you get into a huge brawl with a bunch of the guys there in Boston? I was in uh, Vancouver in my first year. Oh. And I remember we had a, a matinee game in, in the Boston Garden. It was like my third or fourth game pro. 
And uh, it was really cool to get in the Boston Gardens. And, you know, I was really happy to play and excited to play the Boston Gardens, you know, get a shot on Gary Cheevers. And then we go warm-ups, and I'm looking around, I'm skating around the ice, and I said, oh, geez, this might not be that much fun. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's Millberry, there's Schmutz, you know, there's Winsink, there's O'Reilly, there's Cash. I mean, I mean it, it just goes on and on yeah, and on. Yeah. on. So, you know, everything's fine. And uh, about halfway through the first period, there's, you know how the, the old, and maybe they still do it, they put a, you know, the red light in the penalty box for commercial. Yeah. So I'm on the bench, and you know, remember the boss who broke the, 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 the gardens, the bench, the were up high? Yeah. You know, he sat up really high. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Bobby Shamats comes over, he goes, you guys are scared shitless. And I, you know, no one does a word. No one says nothing. We had some tough, tough guys. You had Kurt Frazier and Stamps and Neil Jack McElroy. Nobody says anything. Harry goes, like, somebody do something. So I stand up. I said, yeah, like the typical thing, you know, get out of here and take your head off, you know, typical hockey jargon. Yeah. yeah. But he goes and try, he's like, what to spear me? Like, right in the chest. Like, you know, so I got my stick up like this. I hit him. My stick breaks on his uh, shoulder. Jesus. <laughs> the referee comes over and he goes, you and you, you're out of here. I said to myself at the time, thank God. <laughs> I, don't want, I can't go through this all night. So I'm going across, and, and, and you know, the penalty box from the yeah. box, rent, bench. So I'm going down the runway, and you, you go down, you turn left, and, you know, well, first of all, before I went down there, all the Boston Brew guys are yelling at me. Right. So I put a little show on. I said, yeah, I'll take care of you. I'll get you later. You know, the, you know, the whole thing. The referee had, or the wives had been a hold of me. And these guys are just crawling over. Like now, remember, hold on. What, to go off the ice, you have to go through the Bruins bench, basically, to get off the ice. Yeah, right there. Like, you're, you're, they're foot away. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yelling with these guys, and finally I, I leave, and I go to the dressing room, and uh, all of a sudden, Andy Van Helden's chasing me. I said, he's blowing his whistle. I said, what do you want? He goes, get back here. Said, get back here. You threw me out of the game. He goes, no, you got two of us ice stick and get the penalty box. <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing you want to hear. No, no, no. I'm in the penalty box. And I, I, I made this, I said this phrase earlier on, and I'll never forget the guys are yelling at me. And one guy kind of stoically said, you just committed suicide. <laughs> I'm just looking like, I, I wanted to go home. Right. I wanted to go home. I really did. And anyways, so... We get up, we, 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 the penalty's over. I can't get to the bench quick enough. So they, Harry sends it right back on the ice. They got O'Reilly, Winsink, and Schmatz. Oh, man. What is it? Oh. So I'm beside Winsink, and he hits me in the back of the ankle. Or, you know, back of the heels. Hits me again. Hits me a third time. I said, listen, if you want to fight, let's just fucking fight. Right. I don't want to fight this guy. He's been killed, you know? Yeah. So he starts laughing. I said, what's so funny? He goes, the guys love him. You did. The guys love him. She did. Oh, really? He said that. I forgot you told me that. Yeah, yeah. She said, he said, you just have a good time tonight. We're not going to bother you. The rest of you guys are in big trouble. So I go back to the dressing room after the period. Harry goes, what'd you say to him? I said, Harry, I said, if you bother anybody tonight, I'm coming right after you, Winsink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I remember you told that story before. I forgot about the Wednesday part. I'm saying that to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, just. Sure.
like seriously, and and like you fought, I fought, didn't like fighting. Like how many times when you fought were you actually really mad? Like like you really wanted to fight? That was more me. I, like if I didn't get mad, I wasn't a good fighter at all. Like I, I see these guys now that are smart fighters, that you know, the second half fighters, like Darren Lang that I represented, he was like that. And me, me, I was just get mad. Uh, and in fact, I couldn't even remember half. Well, let me jog your memory a little bit here. Your first fight, you suckered Robert Picard. That wasn't my, well, that was, I wasn't, yeah, it was, yeah, I suckered. But yeah, it was, I, like, did you really know what you were doing or did you just get mad and fight? No, I, I when I was in high school, I took boxing lessons. It was a guy named Jim French. He was a Canadian middleweight champion one time. He was a, I believe, a geography teacher. Right. And I just took it for like balancing and, you know, learn how to throw a punch and, you know, that kind of stuff. Did I know really how to, you know, I fought junior a few times. Uh, I fought. I wasn't a good fighter. But I, I, you know, no one ever, you know, ragged all of me or cut me open or, or really beat me up. I just, I just hung in there. You know, I was, I was smart that way. I always tucked my chin because you don't want to get hit in the chin because you get in the chin, you're done. So, yeah. So you didn't enjoy fighting at all? No, a couple of times, uh, uh, I, uh, uh, we were playing in Chicago and I went by the Chicago bench and, and Dave Hutchison suckered me. I just went crazy. Like I just, I lost my mind. I went back and went after the, jumped to the bench and, you know, I just, I, I lost my mind. Right. You're like, you literally couldn't tear me off. Right. And, you know, I get him. I was trying to gob his eyes out. I remember one time I, I should say is that is, I had my, 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 my fingers, one finger up his nostril. Other they spread off, and and I said to myself, "Well, I ever seen this guy ever in my life? We kill him." Sure enough, next summer I'm downtown Toronto. I don't know. I wasn't playing for Toronto. Yeah, no, I wasn't playing for Toronto then. Played for Detroit, but I'm downtown Toronto. I don't know what I was doing there. And I walked turned to the corner, and guess who? Guess who? Bump into Dave Hutchison. He puts his head on. He goes, "Hey, somebody, how you doing?" <laughs> At that time, he couldn't do anything. I wasn't mad anymore, you know? Yeah, I know. Good guy, though. Great guy. And you got suckered by Lee Norwood uh, with St. Louis. He, he hit you once and hurt you, and then he suckered you after that. Did you ever get him back for that? Yeah, that was... this. We were losing 2-1. to one. And uh, uh, um, two minutes to go in the game, and uh, uh, I looked around, and uh, I speared him right maybe two and a half minutes to go in the game and i speared him right in the stump like i speared as hard as i could well he chased me he was mad so by time by time he got caught up to me i was at the net behind behind the net and he just dropped his gloves i just hung on to the crossbar and he had just humbled away at me like didn't didn't hurt me well actually i got a black guy out of that but 60 seconds later Solomon scored in power play to tie the game and then we won in overtime. That was the playoff game. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it funny how they talked like there, uh, there was a code back then? There's no freaking code. Guys would do whatever they had to do to parody each other. I remember when you talk about Bobby Schmatz. He was in Vancouver. We played against him. And I pushed him back. And uh, he came forward like, and he tom- uh, tom- my, uh, tomahawked my head. Oh. I had the helmet on. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, did he really do that? And then Barry Beck goes over and goes, you just, he lets you swats. I guess he knew. He says, you just chopped him on the head. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So like, I think the cold part, like you talk about gouging the eyes and everything. Well, I think the code is that you, you don't sucker Wayne Gretzky. You don't go after Marcel Dion. You know, you don't hit LaFleur or Bossy, right? Well, you didn't fight those guys because you fought Gretzky. Spake was going to come beat the crap out of you. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't because there's was some code. Yeah. We, we, I remember playing, like we played against the Islanders and, and Bob Nation was not playing. I played a totally different game. I was hammering that boss all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there's just no way about it. Like, I, I remember Bob, uh, Nation came to me one time during the game. He says, I let you hit me. And it's like, well, you guys aren't going to hit Guy Lafleur, right? Oh yeah, yeah. If if somebody isn't there to protect him, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even more so back then, I think it was like once you did it, they would chase you around for the next every time you played against them too. Yeah. Get that reputation. Yeah, it was it was, it was a lot different back then yeah. than it is now. I mean, I mean, I had a real good fight one time when one time with Kevin McClellan, and he's oh, yeah, really tough. It, it was a fight. I I actually fought too. A guy was, I actually knocked him down on his knees. The last, the last punch. Wow. But he looked at me and he goes, good fight. And I, that habit was really weird. And it was a good fight, but nowadays guys hug each other. Oh, I know. Mom and, oh. you know, like, I mean, it wasn't that way back then. Like, I mean, but it's like, we hated each other. Like, uh, like we're yeah. friends now, spending our friends now, but when I played against you, I hated you. Yeah, you're on the other team. Totally. Yeah. I was that kind of fighter, but I could, I could, you know, first, you know, 10, 15 seconds throw with anybody. But then that was it for me. You know, like other guys, the smarter fighters, those guys like now they group, they start again, like fighting McSorley. I did all right against McSorley earlier in the fight, but then I realized, okay, he's not quitting. But you were strong. You were a big, strong. Yeah. Yeah. I had that. And like you said, I, you know, I could fight, but it was more, if I got in a fight, it was to throw a few and then hold on. And yeah. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Where did you grow up? You grew up in Windsor, didn't you? Windsor, Ontario, yeah. yeah. And played all, did you play your junior hockey there? Or you play? Yeah, played there and then uh, I got traded to Sudbury. Oh. But halfway through the year. But yeah, we're there. My, my mom's still there. My brothers are there. And, uh, oh. Mom's 89. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I, was there, I was there last week. 
uh, visiting her, so it was kind of nice. She, yeah. Did you do good? Yeah. Is your father still alive? No, I lost him a while ago. Oh. Yeah, melanoma. Oh, okay. So I grew up in Brampton, Ontario. Actually, right. So who's the uh, uh, Quenville? So remember back in the day when you were kids playing in tournaments, you would go stay at Billet's house? Yeah. So we went over to Windsor and I stayed at Quinville's house and then he came, we had a tournament and he came to stay at my house. So you were, you played Riverside? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He played? Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. Cause you, yeah, you get to meet people and you stay friends with them for hopefully a while. Uh, just, you know what? In the NHL back then, the guy was on the other team. Like when he said, it was just, uh, you know, like talking to the other guy, even if you knew the guy, like before the game, you just you didn't talk to him. Like you didn't skate around in warm-ups, talk to each other. Like you see guys in warm-ups now, they're, they're at the red line there. And there's they're on each side of the red line. They're talking to each other like they're buddies. Oh, I know. I just oh, our way was better. Yeah, yeah. You're you're going in, but again, we we try to hurt each other too, though. Like if you you don't necessarily hurt them, but like if our job was to hit, yeah. Like there were some vicious guys back then. I mean, yeah. What was the one guy? Hillier Graves. Yes. Yeah. He took Bobby Orr's knees out. Yeah. He's a little little guy, but 170, 165, and he torpedoed guys. He hurt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, why did them, like, you know, like, those, some of those guys, like Schmatz, yep. these guys, they'd hurt you. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like going there and playing against these guys. I love when we played and filled, played, played against Philadelphia. Nobody wanted to play. I got to play by the ship. <laughs> but it was fun. At least I played. The old joke was that they'd pull up at the bus and they'd turn the bus off and it'd still be shaking because everybody's so nervous. <laughs> <they're not tired. laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, listen, you just, if you, you had to be aware when you played those, it, I think in some ways it made you play a better game. Especially if you're a physical yeah. player, you better be a weight. Uh, um, the house. Yeah. And they hated the Rangers too. I didn't realize how much. Well, particularly the Rangers. But when Dave Brown was playing, uh, he, some of the stuff he did, like cross and Thomas Sands from the head and everything. I got traded to LA. We came back on our first road trip, came back, played Philly. And we line up uh, and he comes on the ice, gets beside me. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And he starts talking. He says, Tommy, how do you like LA? Like I'm his buddies now because I'm not playing for the Rangers anymore. Oh, really? Well, now yeah. <laughs> he's actually a nice man. Yes, I've, I've met him a few times. Very good guy. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, you grew up, you were never drafted in the NHL then? You yeah, I was drafted in Vancouver. Oh, okay. I forgot about that part. How long did you spend in Vancouver? Uh, my first year, I think I played like 20 games, and the next year, maybe another 25 or 30, then got traded for uh, Ivan Boldarev and uh-huh. uh, Darcy Robert. Well, oh, that's good player. Yeah. When you were with the Flames, you were there when they moved to Calgary. Did you guys know that was coming? Was that hanging over your heads, or was that just odd that you're? That's actually a great question. I remember the playoffs. Actually, we were playing the Rangers in the playoffs. Remember the two out of three? Yeah. And uh, uh came in the dressing room. He goes, "You know, if we don't win the series, we'll be, we'll be moved out of Atlanta." I'll sure enough, about two months later, we didn't win the series, and uh, we moved uh, to Calgary. I was actually I was original Flame. That's right, yeah. That's yeah. right. And that's the old saddle dome, too. Not the saddle dome, the uh, corral, right? The old corral, yeah. Ugh. That's crazy. They just dropped it like that on you guys in the playoffs? This is it? Are you moving to Calgary? Yeah, the, the general manager came in the dressing room, said you need to win the series or we're moving because the guys love the Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of the guys like Eric Vale, Willie Pled, all those guys, they're still down there. Yeah. So the no, corral, no. Well, you went to Bowling Green, right? Well, Northern Michigan. That's right, Northern Michigan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Tom's talking about the story. I tried out for the, the Olympic team and we were, uh, we had the final training camp was at the Calgary Corral and we didn't, didn't have much money. So we we're standing at a dub, double white construction trailer. And uh, I won't name the two other guys because they've got NHL careers going on now. 
Wow. Sure. Well, Jim Nell and Paul McLean and I decided we'd go for a few beers like the first night at training camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get home like two o'clock in the morning, or whatever. And we decide we're going to take the furniture out of the TV room and put it on top of the uh, uh, the trainer's car out of the park lot. And those two guys went to bed. I thought it was a brilliant idea to go tell the trainer that we did it. So I woke him up like at three in the morning. And remember, remember old Father Bauer used to run Hockey Canada back then? Yes, yes. So now, again, in my mind, I'm thinking this is funny, good bonding experience. Everybody's going to be laughing about this. So in the morning, Father Bauer comes outside. We're all going to go over to Corral for practice. And uh, I think, he, seriously, I think he's going to come over and hug me and go, Tom, that was funny what you did last night. He hands me a plane ticket and sends me home. So, oh, God. And the rest is history. You know that thing? Yeah. Yeah. We to, Canada wouldn't win the gold medal if I was there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Remember the old Corral, too? The, the, um, uh, the boards were like 10 feet high and they were, they're made of cement, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that. Like, you, you had to be very careful along the boards because they, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't budge. Uh, they didn't budge at all. And he had a big team too, like uh, Hunter and uh, I think Willie Platt was there by then and all the other big well, guys. That's huge. Had. Brad Marsh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Eric Vale. Yeah. Point. Brad, you know, you mentioned your original thing. How, how good was Kent Nielsen? Because he's very underrated. Oh, she was unbelievable. I'll, I'll never forget. We were in the bench and, and somehow Albert Neal said, you're played, you're getting up and you're playing with next wide, you're going to play right away with Kent Nielsen. And, and Kent, uh, he's on the bench. He goes, when I get the puck, we just follow me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, just, just follow me when I get the puck. Okay. And, and, and I said, okay. So he's on the right side. He's going behind the net. I follow this guy. Like he told me, I have a four feet behind him. He goes behind the net. The goalie goes this way. He backhand passes with the puck. I got four by six to shoot at. I saw the empty net. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Hello, this, this, guy go to, this guy can go to center ice and he did the crossbar like two or three times. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he's a skill player. Yeah. And how long did you spend in Calgary then? I was there for about 50 games and got traded that line to Detroit. Okay. Motor City Smitty. That's where Motor yeah. City Smitty is. How did that get started? The Motor City Smitty. Who started that? Uh, I got, uh, I signed with Toronto in the summertime, yeah, uh, from Detroit and, uh, uh, the headlines in the, in the sports paper was Motor City Smitty come to Toronto. Oh, nobody, never, nobody would call me Motor City. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Toronto is Motor City. So, so I'm what, motor, everybody calls me Motor. Motor. That's right. And yeah, that was, that was one of the Clark's rookie season, right? When you got traded there? Uh, Yes. In fact, I assisted on his his timed rookie goal, number thirty five or thirty six. Oh, and I assisted on his record breaking goal. I w- I have the tape. I might I might send it to you. It it was against Winnipeg, and Randy Carlisle was chasing me, and I threw it behind my back to Wendell. And he scored the empty net, sort of like a Kent Nilsson did to me. Right. And then all the all the players go on the ice. They, they go in the corner and they're hugging him. Like, I made the play. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to the bench by myself and held my stick with this to the bench. But, you know, we played Edmonton about two nights later. And the guys obviously saw it on TV or on the highlight. And a lot of guys came up to me and goes, that was an unbelievable play. I felt really good about it, you know. <laughs>
Was he crazy as a rookie? Because you had Clark and you had also had Ally Afraidy. So you had two legendary, you know, crazy, crazy guys. Al, I mean, in practice, you could hit Al or you couldn't hit him, but you ran into him. It was like running into a tree. Yeah, he's a big man. Oh, God. I get, you're trying to, I can't remember, when we played in the garden, and he was coming down the boards, and I didn't hit him. And more, I lifted him up, and he kind of slid along the top of the boards and ran into the uh, the turn. Oh, I remember that. We lost his helmet. Yeah, and he, he was going bald at the time. He couldn't, no, I know. he couldn't care less about the hit. He just wanted to get his helmet back on, so he couldn't see the bald spot on top of his head. I'll never forget it. And you're right. You're exactly, you're right on. Like, he come in the dressing room for practice. Yeah. And the first thing he would do is get, get his helmet. Oh. Then he'd go to the change room, and he just come back with his helmet on and close. Oh, oh yes. when I saw him after that, I think he was in L.A., and he couldn't wait to come up to me because that hit was unbelievable. I mean, that was pretty cool. Did you get shaved in the National Hockey League initiated? Got shamed in Dallas. Oh. Uh, Rick Blight got me really good. Oh. Really good. And I don't believe in the shaving stuff. I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm totally against that. He got me really good. And I'll tell you what, the last thing he did, because every time we played in practice, I'd run him and I'd run him and I'd run him. I'd go across the ice and run him. All Joe Booker said, just leave him alone. I said, not a chance. Every time we scrimmage or did something, I'd run him. Drills, I'd run him. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You, you made the biggest mistake in your life. You shaved this guy. Now he's going to chase you around the rest of your life. We shaved one of my eyebrows off. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't it funny you think back? Like, I used to think that that was like kind of cool, the whole shaving thing. And I look back now, like, what were you thinking about? What, what good did it do to anybody? It didn't help anybody. Oh, uh, I've. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I never liked it. I didn't participate yeah. in it. Never, even, even back when I was a kid. Yeah, you're smart. Never, I just had no, had no use for it. But I was, anyways. Yeah, you think about the logic behind it, right? Like, what, why? Like, I guess, how, how did it even start? I don't know how it even started. We're now the rookies. The rookies, you're the rookies paid for dinner, right? The rookies now think better than for dinner. So, so now a guy making league minimum is taking out guys making six million a year. And right. they, what if, yeah, when that first started too, they cranked the bill up to like thirty or forty thousand dollars to eat champagne and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if yeah. they even do they, they didn't do that. I don't even know if they do that that much. I think so, yeah. I think we still do it. Yeah. So how many years? So you had Vancouver, Atlanta, Calgary, Detroit, Toronto. That's it. Played parts of uh ten years, you know, in the minors and the national league. So yeah, well, ten years. Good. And why what made you finally retire? I hurt my back in, uh, I was in the hospital traction for about, uh, um, oh, four or five days. Oh, wow. And it, what it was, was a, I had a bulge in my disc, but oh, yeah, this yeah. was still healthy. It didn't, like it's like a jelly donut, you know, it, yeah. it stays in the don't, you know. And uh, uh, I took a boat. The doctor wouldn't let me play for two or three months. Came back skating and, and uh, hurt it a little bit. I just said to myself, I, I I can't do this, and you know I just just I'm not gonna. You know back then you know we didn't have the medical things like we do. Yeah, and it, we didn't know how to tra- you didn't know how to train either, right? Like if we learned to train our core, like we know now, I was right. the same way. Yeah, I hurt my back, and I was just a stubborn old guy. You know, so I'd just have another beer, and it would be fine. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like you think back, like, I've told stories a lot of times, and it kind of surprises people. The culture back then, the drinking beer, like that was that was all part of being an hockey player. Yeah, it just we, 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 
you know, we, we people would say all kinds of things about us and that kind of stuff. They thought like we were kind of players and we would go here and go dancing here. We we go in the city. First thing we do is go to some pub. Yeah. You know, sit, spend two hours in the pub and go to a real good restaurant, have a good meal, be in bed by nine o'clock. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yep. yeah, it just it was fun back then. I remember we we quick story talk about beer. Like we had a, a, a day off and we're we're we were in Calgary and we we go across the country. Yeah. Uh like we're going to LA or something. Like we you know, we, we there was a direct flight, you know, we have to stop somewhere. Right. And uh Al McNeil said uh, uh you know, no drinking. And uh those guys, you know, they were going to the bar right between our label, right? And, and remember Eric Bale. These guys were funny, and they drank beer. But they were good guys. Yeah. And we're going to the bar. Everybody's going to this bar in the airport. So we all go to the bar in the airport. And Pierre Paget, he's going around and trying to... He's speaking around to see us. All here. Neil goes, hey, Pierre, come in here. Have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it different now? Because guys are like, yeah, the coaches and GM is telling them not to drink. And they're like, screw that. We're going to go drink. We're adult yeah. men. If we want to drink a beer, we're going to drink a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But I also think that's what made the guys like like harder too, like on the ice. Like they all did it together. Everybody, and I've said this many times, where you know we all look at each other the next morning and we'd all say, "Listen, we better come work our rig." We didn't have to say it. It was just like, "Okay, we all went up, had fun. We all know what we did. Now we got to come and get to work." We we were we're you're right. We were in Philadelphia one night, and about twelve of us, the Europe the Europeans didn't participate. But we went to Bookbinders. Remember that? Yeah, sure. And we lit it up. And, I mean, lit it up, and uh, uh, we got some morning skate. I mean, there wasn't a puck hitting a stick. Yeah, and John Brokley was our coach. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was going crazy. He's at center ice, chopping center ice up with a stick. <laughs> he skated us. We did wallies in the morning for about forty-five minutes. This is a pre-game skate. There we go. Dead again. Morning again. And Solomon said, that's it. Just stop. Solomon called us all to center ice. And he goes, we owe him one. We need to win tonight. And it's not an easy place to go in and win. Yeah. Okay. We beat him six to one. Wow. Nice. See, so the drinking was good for you guys. Yeah, exactly. He played guilty. Like, well, but that's the thing people think, well, gee, would you have played better if you weren't drinking? And, and back in those days, it was just, that was all part of the culture, right? It's like part of being the team. So I don't see we would have lost maybe better physically, but we'd have lost that whole. Well, they definitely that game. They had yeah, had this demo. Yeah, and they didn't. But as kids growing up, like you're you're talking you're talking about like as kids growing up and, and, and admiring the National League and dreaming of playing the National League, all of a sudden your first time you're in Boston or you, you want, or Toronto or wherever you want to go out. Yeah, you want to see the city. Yeah, no kidding. You know, geez, I'm in Chicago. What do we do? You know, you know, I heard about this place. Let's go to this place. You know. Yeah, I know. We had we had Dave Soak. Remember him? We had him on uh, play with the Rangers, and we were good buddies. And we we're the same way. I think about now too. We went up to Vancouver. We, we couldn't wait to get the number five orange. You know, the strip joint there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're putting some dummies. We don't take a cab or like that. It's raining in Vancouver, so we're walking around the city for two hours trying to find number five orange. <laughs> <laughs> they found it there. Yeah, that's it's funny because there's an old guy sitting at the table. He was passed out, so we picked him up in his chair and moved him to another table. And we sat down at the table, and Silky ordered a, a bowl of chili. He got food poisoning, so he couldn't play the next day. <laughs> Number five orange. And then, Brett, after you retired, you went back and you coached uh, Windsor, right? 
Yeah, I coached uh, uh, the Spitfires for uh, uh, two years at about 10 games, and uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, we had a good season, the second season, and then the next year, Wayne Maxer came in as a general manager, and he wanted to coach again, so they uh, they fired me, but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I like what I'm doing more now, uh, even though I'm not making money like a coach does, but I, I'm enjoying my, my, my job as, as a scout and, and traveling around, and, you know, You've done that for a long time, like 20-some years? You've yeah, well, I've been with the Avalanche since we got them. Uh, Dave Draper brought me there, and uh, I've been there uh, since day one, you know, three Stanley Cups. So you went right into scouting after you got done coaching? No, I took my year off, and I just I went to some, some places right in the world to fish. I'm mm-hmm. a big fisherman. I love fishing. Oh. And I traveled around and did a lot of fishing, and then um, uh, actually Glenn Sather, uh, called me up one day. Uh, I, I was, you know, we had the old, you know, no cell phones back then. And, yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, uh, you know, what are you doing? No, I got a message. I came in about 11 o'clock at night, 10 30 at night. And I called him up. I didn't know it was him, but it did sound like him. And uh, he goes, I'm out somewhere. Call me tomorrow morning. So I called him the next morning. And he goes, uh, like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He goes, uh, you want to get back into hockey? I said, yeah, kind of. You know, what, do you, what do you got in mind? He goes, well, I want you to, uh, uh, we're going to make a trade with Chicago. I want you to go up, follow the Blackhawks. And uh, anyway, so I did that. And then he goes to me, he goes, I want you to go down to Cape Breton and watch the farm team. So I went down there for seven days and I met, I came back. I actually met Glenn at the airport. And Glenn goes, uh, how'd you like it down there? I said, good, you know, like this, you know, this player was good, this, this and that. He goes, well, I want you to go down there and coach. When I, I'm afraid of the coach, you're going to go coach. I said, I'm not doing that. Hey, Cape Breton is not a lot going on. It's a beautiful yeah. place, but it's not a lot happening. So I, said, I just don't do that. And uh, he goes, okay, we'll figure something up for you. And so I started scouting. Then Dave Draper uh, brought me to the Avalanche, and the rest has been history. And you were the head of scouting, amateur scouting for a while? Yeah, I was director of player personnel for about 15, 16 years, yeah. Wow. What was that job entitled? I'm sorry? What does that job entitle, the director? Uh, watch over the pro scouting, watch over the amateur scouting, you know, okay. go around, watch the top players play, uh, uh, you know, that all broke the draft. Right. Um, you know, if we're making a trade, you go to the city to watch a player play for two or three games, that type of stuff. Right. You know, you know what's interesting about the scouting part that uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people realize but you get into those rooms, like you really got to fight for uh, the guy you believe, right? Like if you really believe some guy, that's who you should be drafting. Very often there's a lot of battles. Like guys are saying, yeah, you want those battles. You want to fight for the players, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Brad, did you ever get into any battles with any of these uh, pain in the ass player agents? Like, uh, no, he didn't deal with agents. No, I, I was, I was fortunate. I didn't do deal with a lot of player agents. I, I did for a while for like minor league contracts and that kind of stuff, and but. And I didn't like that part of it at all. Uh, I know. You know, the agents, you know, would kind of. Right, because the agents were kind of, you know, slimy. Right, Tom Laidlaw, 22-year player agent? I, I Listen, I agree. There's a lot of slimy agents. I hope I was not in that. I, I tried to make a point of not being a slimy agent. But yeah. Yeah, I just, I kind of stayed out of it, you know, and, you know, this wasn't my, not like me, like, I'll argue. Like, I'll, you know, you know, I'll sit down with Joe and. And, you know, we'd have our, not arguments, we'd have our talks. I'd tell Joe what I think. Yeah. Joe But it's different than negotiating, like, a contract. I mean, 
uh, uh, and then the agents say, well, this guy's no good in your team. That guy's no good in your I team. Know. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, they do a good job to the players and that's what they're, that's what the players pay them for. But yeah, I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, I know. But that, I think to sit in those rooms sometimes with all the uh, scouts sitting together and you go to dra- or the drafts or whatever cities in and you can sit down and have these meetings and they're battling it out because they really got to fight for their player. Who, so who's some of the top guys that you draft? Well, I'm not going to say I drafted them. Our team drafted. I mean, you know, I mean, the, just uh, McKinnon, McCarr. I mean, I go right. back. I go back to day one. We won the Stanley Cup. We had three first round picks. Right after we won the Stanley Cup, we drafted. Uh, uh, well, Tangay was in there. Yeah. I guess the best story I can tell you is uh, um, we were. I was at home in Windsor, and Pierre Lacroix called me on a Friday afternoon. I had a rare Friday night off. And uh, so I'm in some company in my house. I had two other couples who come to my house for dinner. And he called me up. He goes, uh, we, have, we we drafted a guy about three or four years ago. We don't know nothing about him. And uh, his name is Luan Haydu. <laughs> He's playing in Windsor tonight. Like, at some point, exhibition. So I'm like, oh, my God. Do I even go? Like, on me and so So I go and watch this guy warm up. I mean, he was a wizard with a puck. And then uh, I went to the next night to watch him play because I left that for like the second period. And I went to see him next night. I think I drove all the way to Belleville, Kingston. Oh, that's a long night. Yeah, and this guy was good. This guy was good. So I talked to Pierre and Francois Gere. And, and they said, well, what, what, what will she do? I said, well, we need to sign this guy. You know, well, does he play the American League right away? Or what? I think he's going to play in the NHL. Well, come on. I said, yeah, yeah I think he's going to play in the NHL. And sure enough, rest is history. And that, like, you, I didn't go to that game that night because scouting was different back then. You you didn't have European scouts really. Right. You just went over there and you know uh, you know watch games or watch tournaments. He didn't ever play a game in the league. Right. I'm not taking any credit for it. Yeah. But you really had to believe in yourself too, right? Like in your ability to scout the talent. Yeah. Like that that's the thing I think is really cool about being a scout. It's like you have to believe in yourself. Even if the rest of the room is disagreeing with you, saying like, "What do you mean?" Like, no, you're you're right. You're yeah. right. I mean, we had the same problem with Chris Drury. Uh, you know, people could say all they want about Chris Drury. Yeah, you know, he was a great player. Yeah, but coming out of BU, like you know, people were raving about this guy. Trust me. Right, right. And uh, I got I got in a heated argument with our assistant general manager, all signing this guy. And I said, you got to sign him. Well, he's got, the guy's got a heart of a lion. He's going to play. Right. Heart of a lion. You got a heart of a lion and you got skill. You're going to find a way to play. And he so called, you, yeah. he called yeah. me from having problems with the agent. And the last thing he said to me was, you better be right about this player. Well, did he come back to you and say you were right? No, no, I would not. Uh, <laughs> you, you get no credit in this business. So I had a client, uh, Brad Larson. Remember Brad Larson? Yes. So uh, who was the assistant GM? You mentioned his name before there. Francois Gere. That's right. So Brad Larson, we couldn't come to an agreement on the contract. So he he but for two years in junior, we meant he had he'd be a free agent, he would be redrafted again. So I've uh, since at the draft, thinking, okay, maybe he falls a little bit, but he'll go to some other organization. They drafted him again, Colorado drafted him again. That's right. You remember that? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh God. I Oh, I'm just thinking like everybody, by the cameras on me right now, everything like that. I'm thinking, oh God, we screwed that. Oh, Pierre had that plan all along. Oh, did he really? Well, yeah, that was that wasn't just a, he just didn't fall in our lap there. Pierre goes, oh. okay, just take this guy now. Oh no, that was planned. Oh, son of a, I didn't know that. 
I just not here. I Francois came to me and he was kind of nice about it. He said, "Listen, Tom, it just it was just there. We took him again. We didn't have a plan." He actually told me he lied to me then. Oh, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. He outsmarted Laidlaw. Pierre Lacroix passed away. He did. He did. Yeah, he just got elected, right? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, forget about that. And he also had Warren Reichel, our, our client. Warren Reichel was at the Avalanche. We guys won the Stanley. I didn't. I didn't know you, you were his agent. Yeah, he he had another agent. Uh, he was banging around in the minors, and he. Larry Kelly, I think it was. And Larry was a good agent, too. And I had just retired from playing uh, with the Kings, and I knew that they were looking for a tough guy. I think Jay Miller was moving on. So I'll never forget, I said to Warren, I, I got him as a client, listen, I hate saying this to you because I hate doing it, but if you're going to go there to L.A., you got to fight everybody that moves. So Bundy, that's what we call it, Bundy. Bundy yeah. yeah. They shaved him and they called him King Kong. He looked like King Kong Bundy or something. Like that. And so he did, went to camp, fought everybody, sorely the whole bit, signed a contract there. So that was, uh, yeah, and then he hit up you guys. No, I know Buddy very well. Trust me. Yes, he's a good man. I yeah. all about Bundy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, after you win the Cup in 96, Reichel brings in his agent. And are, are you looking to drop the gloves a second time with this guy? I don't know if we knew each other that much back then. Uh, like we do now. We get to know each other more. You oh, yeah. Uh, I got the picture someplace, too. It's like 3 or 4 in the morning because there's an overtime game. And then uh, they're partying. So I couldn't get in there until all the family done their stuff. So I, it's like 3 or 4 in the morning. The guys are free. Yeah, we're dead, too. Yeah, we got a picture taken together with the cup. First time I'd ever touched the Stanley Cup. How many how many cups have you guys won then with you there? Three. That's right. Three Mom, rings. You have three rings? Yes, sir. Very cool. That's Where good. Do you keep them? Uh, I, I, I don't wear them. I mean, the last one we got, I mean, it, it's, it's beautiful, but you just, it's just so big, you just can't wear it. It's like a selfish <laughs> round. You know. Yeah. Well, Smitty, listen, uh, you know, I'm glad we became friends. Uh, you're, we're one of those guys around the National Hockey League. Everybody just loves your personality, your work ethic, and all that. So, you as a player, like, you just, like, you really did, like you said before, you didn't like fighting, but you fought everybody. You know, on closer look, your fight looks like a draw. I mean, I know Laidlaw claims he won, but it looks like it was pretty even. No, he won. He won. I, he he out hit me. He won. A goal like it is. But, you know, it's one of those things, though, too, that once you, that, like I said before, once you fight him, then you see that he's, he's fighting everybody. What was I think about fighting him? Uh, so it's cool. So it's good to see you, brother. You're really doing well. Yeah, you guys, thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this. It's uh, uh, it's great to see you, too, Tom. All right, uh, sweetie. You guys, good luck to you guys. Uh, have a good holiday, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, same to you. Thanks, All right, brother. Good to Thank see you. you. Bye-bye. Hey, Tom, what a great interview. I, and, you know, I still think that Motor Smitty City, maybe he beat you. I don't know. We got to look at the tape on that fight. Well, I think, yeah, he was being humble, uh, but he, I think he alluded to the fact that I won that fight. And clearly, that was a fantastic guy. That We became really good friends after that. Uh, yeah, what a great story. I didn't realize he was such a good position in, with the director of player development. Yeah. With, well, he's got two Stanley Cup rings or three. Uh, you see the guys they drafted there in Colorado, too. And that's not all just him, but he was heading up to the scouting and uh, some, that Kim McCarr. Yeah, well, Milan Hayduke was one of the guys. He yeah, was like this guy, you got to pick this guy. So. That's right. Yeah, that's a great story. To tell about that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I really, really I know they like to talk about too is that when you're going to scout in any league, but this in this case the National Hockey League, you really have to fight for your player. If oh, you're yeah. just going to, if somebody disagrees with you and you just back down, what are you, what are you really doing? So he told some good stories about that. Too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, great. He got got to win the cups. He had your buddy uh, Bundy out there. Yeah, uh, Warren Reichel. Yeah. And oh, I remember, I remember that night winning the cup. We were in Florida. They beat. They, they went into overtime. It was a late game anyway, so there was an overtime game. But and I wanted to get in the locker room after to get a picture take with Bundy and the Stanley Cup. It was till like three or four in the morning. I finally got in there. The guys oh, were wow. hard too. 
So when when you bump into the to Brad Smith in the, after the fight, what was he say? You guys, like, oh, he's like, I'm going to get you laid low. No, you know what? Uh, Maybe we had Robert Picard on. Like he didn't yep. even really want to talk about the fight early on. No, he was well, he was very gracious and he was like, yeah, yeah it's hockey. It happened. Yeah, I'll move on. He wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, like I, I, I played with Marlon Shirley. I had a great you know, out in L.A., but before that, we played against each other. He was in Pittsburgh. I was with the Rangers. We had a good scrap too, but we never discussed it. It's just this. Uh, I wonder if anyone holds grudges years later. Does that ever happen? I mean, it must because you. Well, uh, who was it? Was it Chris Drake? Remember the hit that uh, the music? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think they all held grudges. That was nasty. That was a little different story, though. Yeah. That was, you know, that was he tried to basically break the guy's face. Yeah, that's yeah. that's almost what it's like. But in fairness to Lemieux, he knew it was coming. He answered yep. the bell right off the bat. He's like, "Okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to do this." And he just didn't turtle against McCarty either. No, he fought back. Yeah, no, I do give him credit for that. That was funny watching that video too, because McCarty's yapping at him at the face off there, telling him he's got to get him. Yep. And Lemieux didn't. They, they didn't flinch. He's like, all right, we're going to fight. And they did. And that's great. That's that's standing up for yourself. Yeah. You know, even though, I mean, it was a dirtbag move that hit yeah. a dirty hit. But he answered yeah. the bell, you know, yeah. yeah. kind of like he you did. did with Brad Smith. But if you watch, I, you know, I did check this out. If you watch it closely, Tom grabs onto the glass and tries to end the fight a little early. I tried to drive my head helmet into his face. But that's, we talked about that too. That's the way I fought. Like the, the real heavyweight fighters, like they'll just keep on fighting, you know, change positions where I was one of those guys. And there's a lot of guys like me. I get mad and I, I adrenaline just be flying off the charts and you stand there and throw punches for 10 or 15 seconds and then it's over. So if your fight didn't end in 30 seconds, you were done, right? You were just like, but yeah, it's, it's tie up time. After yeah. That. <laughs> right. And, and you know what was too? The referees and linesmen, particularly the linesmen, they knew how guys were, especially after you played for a while. Okay. So you watch the fight against McSorley. I had my 10 or 15, maybe 20 seconds of throwing good punches. And then I, that was done. And McSorley was still bold. And that's what he became famous for was being that second half fighter. Darren Langdon was that certain Langdon, way. Yep. And the linesmen know that. They know that I'm not that second half fighter. They know he is. So that, sure. if you watch the video, they jumped in right away. As soon as Mark Smarty started getting the best, they jumped are in. You like, are you saying to like, hey, race cap, no, I'm done. I'm done. Like, end it, no, end it. never. No way. No. I, the real heavyweight fighters would do that sometimes if it went for a long time. Yep. But he, he didn't want because I didn't want Marty to hear me saying that. You know, that he sure. Yeah, yeah. Right now, so. Who was they, 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 were you a big talker? Were you a big shit talker when you played? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Who were some of the Who were some of the big ones you played with that were like real big chirpers, shit talkers? Ron Gresham was a good chirper. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was. He, he had good lines too. Uh, but we've talked before with John McLean. I played played against him. Oh, you said he had great lines. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was funny. Who Who's someone who was kind of like sneaky funny, like that you wouldn't expect? Uh, Brian McClellan uh, was a quiet guy. He's the general manager uh, yep. now with the Washington Capitals. Scored a big overtime goal in '86 for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. So he's a quiet kind of gentleman kind of guy. But we were at dice against him. <laughs> I think he was in Calgary and I was in LA at the time. And there was a scrum, and we weren't going to fight each other at this time. We we're both late in our careers. Right. So I grabbed him, and he got up closer. And he goes, I "Smell alcohol?" Because <laughs> <laughs> we go. You know, yeah. that team we had. That 86 team was a pretty close. Sure. He, he had that big overtime goal against the Caps. Yeah. Good player. So he was a tough guy, too. He didn't fight very often. There's a video of him fighting Larry Playfair. Oh, Larry Playfair guy. was with the heavyweights in the league. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Mac was with uh, LA. And I think Larry was with Buffalo at the time. And uh, Big Mac dropped him, too. Wow. Really? Yeah. And that yeah. didn't happen to Larry Playfair very often. Playfairs were tough. Yeah. Real tough yeah. guys. We were playing against Buffalo, and John Van Boschmer was a real chirper, too, but not good stuff. It was more like, like cheap kind of stuff. Oh, like just dumb chirps? Yeah, and I was going at it with him chirping, and all of a sudden, Larry Playfair comes up beside him. Larry's this mountain man. If Van Boschmer tears, he says, why don't you go ahead and fight Larry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, no. All right, well, that's a, you big, my big brother's here now. You're in trouble. Well, yeah, exactly. 
And that's told, I've told that story to other people that played with Van Boxer, and they said, yeah, that's the way he was. He was always tripping all the time. What about guys like Ken Lindsman and Paul Baxter? They like to, they You know what, they didn't chip right? that much. It was more like little cheap stuff. But they were rats, Baxter. though. Yeah, well, Baxter, though, backed it up. He, he could fight. I saw him fight Bud Nelson one time, and he dropped him. Yeah, but Clark Gillies almost put his fist through his face, though. Yeah, not I know. And he was, uh, he'd be the pick of spots, that's the thing. But he was, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, him and I kind of respected each other up there. And I wasn't, wasn't as much of a fighter as he was, obviously. Because um, I, I, we played against so much in Pittsburgh. When stuff was going on, I'd just go right to him. Yep. And uh, and I think that's just kind of the player he was. You know, he, if he could get away with doing something, he'd do it. What about Kenny Linsman? He's like the classic rap. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Linsman, Keith Acton was like that. Same mm-hmm. same kind of player. Linsman, well, actually, they were both good players, too. Linsman yep. especially. He was a very underrated player. Yeah. Well, and you know what? They're smart in what they did. Both those guys, Acton and Lindsman. It was like when you're playing against those you're, guys, you're always thinking about because sure. they do all this stuff. You just never know what they're going to do. Yeah. So you're not really, you're not intimidated by them. They're not scaring you away. It's just you got to keep your head up when you're out there against them. How that, about me? Oh, sorry. That worked for them because now we're thinking of them, not about playing the game. I was going to ask you about the Sutter brothers. Were they similar? Like same kind of play? Oh, yeah. They were. And they were yappers too. Uh, we had a playoff series uh, against the Islanders. It was the first year. It was Muslim 84. So it's the first year that flatly. And um, Lafontaine, they were on the E4. Oh, that that's what he crushed Barry Beck with that check. Yeah. Right? So I was, I was hammering those two guys in a playoff game, close playoff game. And Sutter comes on the ice and he's, and Phil Spazio even mentioned it uh, on air. He's going, look at this, they're yapping at Laidla now. And oh, Sutter was, nice. Sutter's what? Brett or uh, Dwayne? Dwayne? No, it was Brett. Yeah. Brett. Okay, gotcha. Brett, yeah, he was more yapping. Yeah, dude, Dwayne was a very good hockey player. Yeah. Yeah. Which one was the centerman? Was it Brett? That's right. was center. I think Dwayne. Yeah, was so that it was Dwayne that was doing all the yapping. He was number twelve. I think. Yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. His nickname was Dog. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Brett was a hundred point scorer. He's a, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah, he was. Uh, we it, man, we had some good battles. We had a battle in the corner and with Brett, the centerman. And he, um, I, I get so I got poked in the face with a stick and it cut me. And uh, I was mad and I got up. I said, and speared me right in the face. And he goes, "It wasn't me. It was your teammate." Like he's like he spoke. Oh, it wasn't really? like, Yeah, yeah. He wasn't like his brother. Yeah. Gotcha. The, the two younger ones, Ronnie and Rich. Twins. Philly. Yeah. Yep. They were, uh, they were effective players too. They, they really worked hard and everything, but they were, they were chippy. They, yeah, sure. When Brian, the, uh, the one who was in St. Louis, he wasn't a cheap player. Man, he was tough. Oh, good player. Yeah. I, and then there's Daryl. Yeah. That's right. We had a series, uh, that for my first year when we played in St. Louis and beat them in six games, it was a battle. And, you know, Eddie Hosper and myself, we're all, you know, we get we're going after Sutter because, you know, he's, he's the leader. Sure. They didn't have, really have a real physical team at that point. They had Brian Maxwell on defense. Ernie Federko, yeah, they weren't. Yeah. But at the Joe, end- Joe Mullen. Yeah. The playoff series after, uh, it was over, you know, you shake hands. I think we saw him out in the city someplace too. And I said to him, I said, listen, I really have a ton of respect for you. And ever since I had that conversation with him, we played the next year, the puck got dumped in my corner and he was coming after me to, to hit me. And he didn't think that I he, I saw him. So he yelled to me, he says, I'm coming, I'm coming. Like, he gave me a heads up. up. He, 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 yeah. He snare you? Yeah, he still went, and it, not in a bad way. Like, he was actually giving me a heads up because yeah. he thought he didn't want to, he had to hit me. That was Brace, brace yourself, laid low, here yeah. comes. Yeah, cool. Oh, I was cool. like, that was pretty nice. <laughs> How, did you ever hit Bernie Federko, lay him out? Because as you know, he you know he cut me from a professional roller hockey team in 1993. If I'd known he'd done that, I, I would have given him a puck there, so going on a break. No, you could have said, look, in 12 years, you're going to cut my friend, so I'm going to bury you right now. And <laughs> No, it didn't happen? No. I'll tell you the one hit I'll never forget. I was watching Landy McDonald's a kid all the time, player for Toronto. Sure. And he was with Calgary early in my career at the Rangers, and I smoked him. He was coming through the center ice and didn't knocked that mustache off. Knocked about knocked the air out of myself. I had to go to the bench. Oh, wow. And after it was done, I felt so bad because this Landy McDonald. Sure. And it was like he was an older guy at that point. 
And I just hammered him. I said to him, I said, I'm sorry, I did. And he was fine. He was like, no, it's, he, he still played hard. He's a nice guy. guy. Listen, yeah. you, know, you, you don't care about this type of stuff, but when I was a kid, we used to go to Total Ice World to watch the Devil's Practice. It was free. Oh. But it was so cool when other teams would come through. Yeah. And one day it was like a bonanza. It was the Devils, the Los Angeles Kings, and Calgary Flames all, all scheduled practices because there wasn't much ice in New Jersey. Right? Yeah. So it was yeah. great. We just stayed there the whole day, like getting oh. autographs. And, and I remember Lanny McDonald was the nicest guy yeah. in the world. He was cool. so nice to all the kids. He was just super cool with that giant mustache. Yeah. He's and, a real uh, gentleman. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Really. Him and also, I remember Terry Ruskowski, who was the Kings oh. captain at the time. Oh. Was singing Easy Lover by Phil Collins. And he stopped and came over and hung out with us. And I think I told you, it's the same day, like, we're walking in the back and Toto was such a dump. It was kind of like Sportorama is now. It's very right. ancient. But um, the, the devil's locker room was just basically just his crappy locker room. So right. we're, we're all waiting outside for autographs and, as we would. And Dave Pichette walks by stark naked. And there's like <laughs> there's like 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds just like, hey, can we get on? Oh, that's that man's dog. Oh, so that's funny. A little weird, but uh, yeah. I think, you know, the hockey players are just so used to walking around naked in the locker room. They just don't think any of it. Well, the door opened and he was like, what are these kids doing? Yeah, it wasn't his oh. fault. He wasn't like being creepy by any means. He just, right. they just got up with the door open and he locked eyes with all the kids. And it was like, okay. So oh, a little that's weird. Uh, we you know, Nobody asked for a stick that day. You know, it's funny. You talk about weed outside the locker room. When I was in college, we played against the St. Louis Billikens, uh, St. Louis University. And we were, so we're down in the old checker dome. And oh, great, the, uh, great old building. Yeah. The night before we played, uh, Philly was in town, played against uh, St. Louis. And Paul Holmgren, I'll never forget, I waited outside the locker room. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. He comes walking out with a suit uh, and a six-pack of beer hanging down. And I thought, oh, man, that's a National Hockey League right there. That was the only time I'd been close to a locker room after a game. That was the only like, you know, time I'd seen it. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Little starstruck. See? Oh, yeah. you know. so you, see, that's good. Fans want to hear that. You were a fan, yeah. too. You oh, totally. Yeah, because again, especially back then, there was no access to what was really the life of a hockey player. Like, sure. There's these documentaries and stuff on Yeah, Instagram line. and anything like yeah. that. You didn't know. So any, like, yeah, just to get a glimpse of like an NHL player at, at a game. And he's got a six pack with him. Yeah. The, yeah. I remember thinking that is so cool, man. I can't I, to get to the National Hockey League. I remember, I remember we were, we had a tournament down in Philly at, at, um, the Coliseum and the Flyers would practice there. And I remember they would come around and we'd be like, look at these guys. They drive BMWs. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Rick Tuckett has a BMW. I seriously, you know, I think I've told you this. I really didn't know what to expect in the locker room. That was one of the things I thought about the most. Sure. Like, will these guys be wearing gold-plated underwear? I really think about these <laughs> things. I seriously, I, I, they can't be just like everybody else. So what do you do? You show up with a Fu Manchu mustache and cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. <laughs> oh, and I thought it was so cool, too. Oh, geez. How quick oh. did you get that off? Who looked at you? Nope. Like, late, you're like, kid, what are you doing? No, I, I, I kept it on. Yeah. Really? Nobody said anything to me. Yeah. Like, I must have been, I, I, I'm not saying this like, right. I must have been intimidated because they, they said they, like, I didn't get initiated. I guess I was respectful too. I didn't yap all the time like, like Chris Gonzalez did. That's what he sure. did. Well, let's, but here's a question. When you first, okay, your first, if you remember back, your first training camp with the Rangers, you walk in, who's the first guy that you talk to? Well, the first person I, it was before training camp was when at the end of my senior year, they brought me into New York to sign my contract and then go down to New Haven to play in the playoffs. Okay. So it was the day of a game. I was at the garden and uh, I was just uh, standing in the locker room. Never forget that, you know, it's before the game. So the jerseys are all hanging around. There's all the names and everything. Phil Zito's jerseys. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he comes walking in the room and I can see him talking to the trainers. He doesn't know who I am. And he's asking questions like, who is that? And they're whispering to him, telling him. And then he comes walking over to me. And that, I'm telling you, it was he walked him with 10 feet from where he was to, to me. And I'm watching him come towards me. I just could not believe that Phil Spazzini was coming over to talk to me. 
Because you think back like in the oh, 70s. Oh, yeah. You think back to the 72 series against Russia. You know, he lectured all of Canada after one game because they were. they were Yeah, it was amazing. So Phil was this legend. And um, right near the end of his career and everything. So he goes walking over to me. And, and, and Phil's new guy said, oh, no, no kidding. And uh, free to meet you. Heard a lot of good things about you. And I can't wait to play with you. And oh, wow. He said, and I, I could not believe it. Like I was just saying, this, stuff, this can't be happening. It's just. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's real uh, life. So it's funny you say that because, yeah, we're all the same way when you first get there. It's, I even talked to uh, uh, Braden and Schneider, is it, for the Rangers now? Yes. Yeah. So we were at a, an event uh, down in the city uh, two or three weeks ago, and he was there. So and he said, he, uh, he said, sir, can I have a refill? He said, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I did have to introduce myself. There's no question about that. Because I think he's, what, he's 20 years old or whatever. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so uh, we had a good chat. And we talked about the f- fact that uh, like he's a really humble kid. Uh, very, you know, confident in everything, but you tell he's got that humbleness to him. Uh, but he, we talked about the fact that you kind of respect the older players too much when you first get there. That's the thing you, sure. you, know, you need to respect them, but not be in awe of them. Right. And uh, it's was, it was interesting, him and I have that conversation. I said that to us. How are you dealing with all the respect issues? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's amazing you say that because that's, I'm the same way. I'm like too much in awe of these guys. And uh, Yeah, like he, he's got to go out and he's got to hit Ovechkin and he's got to yeah. hit Crosby. Those, you know, that you can't yeah. like, that's your job now. Yeah. You know? And you, and you don't, part of it is you, you think, I'm a young player, I'm going to defer to the older guys on the team. Well, no, you've got to go do your job. Like, don't wait for somebody else to do it. That was the yeah. thing playing with Gretzky. Uh, they gave him some fights. So you worked so hard to get him the puck. But no, you, you just got to be naturally. And I played Wayne later on in my career, so I was past all that stuff. But Sure. Uh, there, there's a lot of that, especially you're the young guy. Uh, like, if the coach leads you on the ice in the key situation, you're kind of looking around sometimes like, you get me off, or you come across the ice, or... But you're also smart enough to know that if you're out there with 99, like Wayne wants the puck, you're yes, you know yes. you're going to get him the puck. I mean, that's yeah. the, the game plan. Yeah, but he would even say because uh, he he knew what was going on early, and he would say, I think he said to us, the fence and all to get together. He says, "Listen, I don't get it to me if you force him to get it. To me. Right? Don't force. If I'm open and pass the puck to him. Yeah, but, uh, but he, he was, was always uh, he was always open though. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. And he did want the puck. Yeah, I think yeah. I've told you that one time, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, he did. On the, on the, the uh, empty netter? Yeah. Where, well, yeah, where I didn't pass it up to him. And he, and yeah. He, yeah. He want, you know, and I think back about it, I was wrong because he was on a mission to be the best players that ever played the game. Yep. And part of that was points. He wasn't yeah. He wasn't being selfish about it. He wanted to put the game away, but he wanted the points too. So yeah. I've heard people say that he got a lot of phantom assists. And I didn't ever see No, that. bullshit. All that stuff. No way. Yeah. I didn't see it that way. The guy always had the puck constantly. Yeah. He, 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 and I'll tell you, uh, I think, did we talk about this? Maybe I talked about it in another show or an interview where I saw an interview from Wayne recently and I didn't know he felt this way, but I guess he was playing the game. He was a kid, like eight, nine, 10 years old or something. And it was after the season was done, just an exhibition game and his team got beat. Like, yeah, I saw this. Yeah. It was great. And his, his dad said to him, he said, what do you think of that? And uh, he went, well, ah, the end of the year really doesn't He's matter. like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. And the dad said, well, listen, for whatever reason, you're, you're, you're the chosen one. Yeah. And uh, people come from all around to watch you play it. You've got to play your best every night. And that yeah. really, I look back at the time I played with Wayne and playing against him, he, he really did that. Like, there was not many nights where he wasn't, like, even if it wasn't a good first period or whatever, it's like he kind of snapped himself out of it and go get five points. Last but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, we don't want to put the guy in a pedestal, he's a human being, but I mean, I think we're very lucky to have watched that yeah. career because yeah. he was he was on a different level and you got to play with him and that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And and I've luck, been lucky enough to cross paths with him several times. And he's just a good guy. I know. Like, Isn't that true? It's, it's, it's so scary. Yeah, it's scary at first. It's like, come on, no, he can't be that good of a guy. That's Wayne Gretzky. You know, I'm like, 
some of that. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's incredible. So that, that it's just so cool to to see to have been able to see that. It's almost like getting to watch Babe Ruth play. You know, like you got to see the guy. And Tom, thanks for coming on. See you later. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.